All right, all right. Well, good evening and welcome. Are you guys excited for Jonathan Kahn in the house with us tonight? You know, it was um, just about a year ago uh, that Jonathan Kahn was here last, and it, it, it was amazing. You know, he was sitting in my office with me then, and, and we, were, we were talking, and he was telling me about this new idea that God had given him for a book, and uh, he was kind of outlining for me, and I was just like, oh, I can't wait to get my hands on it. Well, guess what? It's here, and it's called The Return of the Gods, and I do, I do believe that Jonathan is a prophetic voice for the church. He's a gift to the body of Christ, and we are so blessed to have him with us tonight. Would you please join me in giving a huge welcome to Mr. Jonathan Kahn. Thank you. Shalom, everybody. You speak Hebrew in California. <laughs> it is great to be here. Um, I was uh, blessed to, to be friends with Ray, and I am blessed uh, to see what he's doing with Daniel, and God is blessing you, um, and it's an honor to be here with, and to meet you, Vicki, as well. The Lord's grace is upon this place, and I'm just honored to be here. Um, California is a beautiful country, land, you know. Um, I'm not sure about the government, though, but... Actually, I said country. Maybe that means more. But it is great to be here. I have a lot to share with you. I, no matter how much I share, I can only give you a taste. Of course, there's so much more. For that reason, as I did last time, after I finish, they're going to have... Um, they're going to have the Return of the Gods over there and the other special books, and um, it's something that's not a book. As soon as service ends, I'll go over there, um, and I will meet you. I'll be glad I'll sign as many books as I can. Um, but so first, let me before we start, let me just tell you what they will have for you right after the service. Um, and this is not only to bless you, but also the people in your life. If you have something, to get it for them as well. Number one is the Harbinger. That is the ancient mystery, holds the future of, or the secret of America's future. It's the beginning. It has not stopped since that coming true. There are millions who have read it, but millions have not. So if you have people in your life who don't know it, not only for you, but for them. Second is the book of mysteries. That'll open up hundreds of mind-blowing mysteries of God, not just to be blown away, but also to be changed. And for the also the people in your life who don't know the Lord, because imagine if you can give over 300 tracts and people, they will all accept it and they'll thank you for it. No unbeliever has ever turned this down So to get saved. So for you and them, that's the book of mysteries. Third is the paradigm. That opens up a biblical, the biblical mystery that's so specific, so exact, and actually lies behind the leaders of our time, the exact dates of events taking place, the template, and actually it's come true after it, ha after it came out. Even what happened on Capitol Hill is, is in the foreshadow of the paradigm. The fourth is the Oracle. That's the only book I've written that specifically opens up end time prophecy, the mystery of the age, the timetable we have, last days, all there. The fifth is The Harbinger 2. That's a book I held back from writing for eight years. It's not only the sequel to The Harbinger, but it's what's happening right now. And I was led to do it, the Lord led me to do it just before 2020 to start writing in 2020 because I had the very strong sense there were shakings coming on the land and there, that they were going to be the continuation of The Harbinger and to I, I had to write it to that God's people would know. So this is what's happening now. The last book is the, is the newest one. I was working on it when I was here last time. I just started it. 
This is the most explosive book I've, I've ever written. And um, you're going to get a taste of it tonight. But again, there's so much more than I could ever tell you. Um, so they're going to have the heart. The, I'm sorry. I, I didn't say what it was. It's the return of the gods. Um, now, so my calling is to get the word out. And I, this is to encourage you to get it, not just for yourself, but to people in your life. So what they're going to do is this. Most of these are hardcovers that they list about $25, $30. One book will be 15. If you get two, it'll go down. It'll keep going down. If you get all six or any six of anything, it's going to be $10 a book, which is like a Happy Meal, okay? But you can't save anybody with a Happy Meal, okay? So, so there'll be no place on earth that will be as as low, as, a, as, as cheap as tonight. Um, so it's not just for you, but get it for the people in your life as well. Um, and that's to encourage you, how, however long, however much they have over there, okay? And again, I'll sign everything I can. One more resource that's unique that I, that I usually have to bring it on the plane myself. You cannot get it at Amazon. You cannot get it at any bookstore. Um, it's not, it, it not only has what's in the book with the return of the gods, but what's not in there. This is the return of the god uncensored. They should have that up there. Um, and that is, this is an eight DVD album, eight one hours, where you're not just going to hear it, you're going to see it. You're going to see the principalities. It has the uncensored materials that could not even be in the book, including a recorded video of a professor manifestation in New York City that I, I witnessed much more. So it's unique and it's nowhere else. So um, it comes out to like $5 a DVD. Um, so that's it. All right. And the last thing is I'm asked to, how can I, I get, you can get updates or prophetic updates. The ministry I lead, um, aside from the congregation, is called Hope of the World. They have, they give out free um, mystery CDs and prophetic updates. So if you put your contact on the sheets they'll have out there, um, you will get all the free gifts and all that. And if you just remember hopeoftheworld.org, you can also get it. So that's it. Let's get ready and let's pray. Father, we just praise you. We ask your anointing now. Lord, I ask in my weakness, be strong in your power and touch your people. Have your way, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for this time and this place, Father. And I ask, Lord, you reveal. In the name above every name, the name of Yeshua, Jesus, our shepherd and our king. In his name, all his people say, amen. amen. All right. What I'm going to open up tonight is one of the most important things I believe I could open up. It's a mystery that lies behind what is taking place around you. What is taking place in California, in New Jersey, where I'm from? What's happening in America, the Western world? What you're dealing with in one way or another, you're dealing with it. It is a transformation. In many ways, it's going to explain all these things in a whole new light. What is happening and is there a reason for it? It's a mystery that goes back to ancient times, to the scriptures, and even the tablets of Mesopotamia. Is it possible that the figures we know as gods are not only fable and myth, but there's actually something real to them? And if so, what would happen if they returned to the world, to America? Could they be the invisible agents moving our culture, transforming it? What if we can identify them? Actually, which ones they are? What if they're behind what's happening to our children? What's happening in the media? What's happening in government? And what lies ahead? What is the future going to hold? And how do we need to be prepared for it? Because I wrote this not only to reveal this, but also to arm and prepare you, God's people. Because this is something that is affecting, will affect you. Because see, if you're in a fight and you don't know you're in a fight, you're not going to be winning that fight. 
If you're in a fight and you don't know what you're fighting, there's a good chance you may not win. See, now I want to say something before I go full blast, and that is, listen, if you came here tonight because you wanted to hear a politically correct message, you came to the wrong place, the wrong service, the wrong church, because you know what? Because, you know, political correctness cannot save you. Only the truth can. We're here to preach truth. All right, are we ready? In ancient times, the world was filled with gods. Every nation, every culture, every land worshiped the gods. The Bible gives a clue to the mystery that many believers miss. In the book of Deuteronomy, it says, those who worship the gods and the idols are actually worshiping something called, in Hebrew, the Shedim. Shedim is a Hebrew word that means entities, spirits, with being, with, with will, with, with consciousness. In the Psalms, it says the people offered up their children to the Shedim. Now, when the ancient Jewish scholars translated the Hebrew into Greek, it got in, went into the New Testament, the word for Shedim became the Greek word daimonia. Daimonia is the word we get the word from demon or demonic. When Paul in 1 Corinthians said the pagan world is worshiping the, the, these, these things, he said they're worshiping the daimonia or the Shedim. So beyond the gods are entities, spirits, which makes sense because what would a spirit do or a dark spirit do more than turn worship away from God to itself? Next piece of the mystery. The gods represent spirits. Behind the gods, there are spirits. And the pagan world was given to the gods. I mean, the pagan world was given to the spirits. They were indwelt by them. They were possessed by them. And when you look at pagan culture, you see the same signs that the Bible gives of possession are throughout the culture. The closer you got to the gods, the more you, the people worshiped them or the high priests and priestesses, the oracles, the more they had signs of possession. They would shake and tremble and foam at the mouth and speak as if they were possessed by the God. They were possessed by the spirits. But not just individuals, the entire culture could be possessed. So what happened? What happened to the gods? What happened to the spirits? What happened to the pagan world? Well, what happened 2,000 years ago is Jesus happened. Messiah happened. God happened. God came into the world, and he had the power to cast out. But he also sent his word into the pagan world. So now you have God coming into the land of the gods. You've got the spirit coming into the land of the spirit. And that's why there was such a conflict. There was such a war. When you read the book of Acts, you see this war, the, the possessed woman stalking Paul or an entire city trying to kill the disciples because they, they believe they have threatened their God. That's why the early Christians were persecuted. Ultimately, it wasn't about politics or economy. It was about the gods. The, they were told, if you just will worship the gods, if you will burn incense to the Caesar, you will be spared. But they said no, and they were thrown to the lions. But in the end... The power of God, the power of the gospel prevailed. The temples of Zeus were abandoned. The shrines of Dionysus were, were empty. It was the twilight of the gods. The gods were gone. But if behind the gods were spirits, then it wasn't just the departure of the gods. It was the greatest mass exorcism in human history. That's why the West, Western civilization, is unique. Because it was exorcised. But spirits do not die. So what happened to them? And now comes the final key to unlock this mystery. It's given in a parable that Messiah, Jesus, gave. 
He said, if a spirit comes out of a man, goes wandering the earth looking for a place to rest, doesn't find any, then he says, I will return to my house that I left. Talking about the man. He returns to the man or the house, finds the house empty, swept, goes back, takes seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they repossess the man. They repossess the house. And the Lord says, this latter state is worse than the first. Now, most people think it's just talking about a person. It is talking about a person, but not just that. Because at the end of the parable in the Gospel of Matthew, the Lord adds the words, so it shall be with this generation. Not just an individual. Entire cultures can be possessed. Entire cultures can be delivered. And this gives a, prof a prophetic warning to our day right now, to America, to much of the world. And it is this. Any culture, any nation, any civilization that has known God, been delivered by God, cleansed by God, exercised of God, any so nation such as that or culture, if it should ever turn away from God, if it should ever empty itself of God's spirit, of the gospel, of the faith that saved it, that delivered it, that cast out those spirits, then those spirits that were cast out of it will return into it. They will return to the house from which they came. Or translation, those ancient spirits that were cast out of Western civilization will come back to the modern world, will come back to America. The Shedim, the Daimonia, will return to the house to inhabit it, to possess it. Pagan spirits will come back to a house that was swept clean by the gospel. And what their, their aim will be, they will to take a Judeo-Christian civilization nation and they will seek to turn that nation into a pagan one. A process of paganization. The gods will come to America. And if you want to understand what's been happening to America for the last half century, it is this. The increasingly strange, bizarre things, changes that are happening to American culture and much of the world, it is this. It is a repossession. It is a paganization. Remember, the Lord said the last state will be worse than the first. In other words, what's coming will be worse than the pagan world. And you want to see that because, you know, the pagan world could produce a Nero. But the modern world, when it turns from God, produces a Hitler. And now it's coming to the West. Now it is, we are dealing with it. Which gods, which principalities will lead in this return? When Israel turned from God, it turned to other gods and became subject to them. There were three in particular. In the, in the return of the gods, I speak of the dark trinity. And that same dark trinity is now at work in our culture, now in America. It starts with the first one. The first one was called the possessor. His name, that's what it meant. In ancient Hebrew, he was, his name means the possessor, the master, the lord, the owner. In Hebrew, the way you said that was Baal, or, in, or we say Baal, means the possessor. This is the spirit that turns a nation that has known God away from God. So if this spirit, Baal, comes to America, it will seek to turn America away from God into a pagan culture. How would it happen? America would have to open the door. It would have to begin emptying itself of God. That's exactly what happened. Starting in the early 60s, America begins emptying itself of God, of his power, of his word, 
begins, begins removing prayer from school, moving the word from school. And they figure, well, that's just a little thing. It's not a big deal. No, it's a real big deal. Because when you take God from the children, you're taking God from the future. We open the door. And the ancient warning that Messiah gave is the house will not stay empty if you empty it of God. If you empty God out of the schools, out of the children, something else is going to come into the schools. Something else will come into the children. And that is what we are witnessing now. That's all this spirit needs. What did he do in ancient times? The Bible says he warred against God. He drove God out of the public square, out of the culture, out of everything. Same exact thing has been happening to America since then. A spirit that is in our culture that drives God out, seeks to drive God out. In ancient times, Baal turned Israel, caused them to turn away from the ways of God, the commandments, his ways. So upon his return, he has caused America to turn away from the ways of God step by step, even for us to strike down the Ten Commandments, which we have done. It says in the Bible that Baal caused Israel to forget God. So this spirit in our culture is causing America to forget God and to forget it ever knew God. What has been happening in our midst is a repossession. What came in as a new morality isn't a new morality, it's an old morality, it's a pagan morality. In fact, it's even behind things we don't even realize, even behind wokeism. See, when there's one God, there's one truth. But in paganism, there are many gods, and so many truths, no truth. That's why our culture's been taken over by the spirit that says there's no real truth, everybody has their own truth, if your own authentic truth. If a man says he's a cat, then he's a cat. That's his authentic truth. If a woman says she's not a she, she's a they, then she's a they. That is her authentic truth. That is, that is supposed to be enlightened. No, that's paganism. There was one sign of Baal above all, and that was the sign of a bull. He was represented by a molten bull, a massive molten bronze bull. Could the sign of Baal appear in America that he's possessing the culture? It already has. If you go to New York City... Not far from Ground Zero, where the Harbingers are, you'll see an image, a bull, a massive bronze molten bull. Uh, they had no idea when they put it up there. This is the biblical sign of a culture that has been given over to Baal, a way that's turned away from God. And there was another sign of Baal, I recorded it in the book, that manifested in America. Actually, it was an, actually an object linked to the temple of Baal, and they set it up, they erected it with a ceremony with the government officials of New York City, and they, had, they played music, and they, they hailed it, and I, I witnessed that. We recorded it because people wouldn't believe it. We don't have time to go into it, except this is real. Now, when you look at the Bible, you see that Baal is always mentioned first. He's the beginning. Baal, he opens the door. He's like that spirit that comes back and says, I'm going to bring my friends. So what is the next of the dark Trinity. And we don't have time. I just can give you a taste of these things. But in the book, she is called the Enchantress. It's a she. She was a, a, she was a wife or a mistress of Baal in Canaanite mythology, but she's all over. In Babylon, well, in the Bible, they called her, she's called Ashtorah, Baal and Ashtorah. But in Babylon, she was called Ishtar. In Sumer, she was called Inanna. In Rome, she was called Venus, and in Greece, she was called Aphrodite. You know, we think of this as, a, as just a little thing. This is a dark, ancient spirit. She was the goddess of unbridled sexuality, sexual lust, immorality. She was a prostitute. She was the harlot goddess. In ancient times, she sexualized the culture. So notice the Bible says Baal and then Ashtorah. 
So upon the return, it's in that exact order. First comes Baal, turning away from God, early 60s. Then what comes? We, what would we expect to come if she came? We would expect there to be a revolution, a transformation in the realm of sexuality. And that's exactly what happened to America and the world. The sexual revolution begins. This has all the fingerprints of the spirit. Her mission is to turn a Christian nation or civilization into a pagan one by using the realm of sexuality. And that sexual revolution, everything about it, was a change towards pagan values, away from biblical values concerning sexuality, marriage, man and woman. It has not stopped to this day. A prostitute takes sexuality out of marriage and brings it into the culture, into the marketplace. Well, that's what she did in ancient times, so that's exactly what happened in America. The spirit takes sexuality out of the home, out of the marriage covenant, and puts it everywhere so our culture became sexualized. And, and, and a prostitute weakens marriage. So this goddess was known for weakening marriage. So what happened at the same time as the sexual revolution is marriage started weakening, started breaking up. Families started breaking up. People started being broken by it's all the work of this goddess. In ancient times, the Greeks, when they worshipped her, they called her by the name, uh, the name was prostitute, but in Greek, the word they called her, the Greek word for it was Porne. They called her porne, from which we get the word porn. So there's no accident we now have an explosion of pornography. It's the enchantress. She was the seductress. In fact, she invented pornography. The first pornography in the world was the writings about her. In fact, the word pornography means the writings of the prostitute. So she casts a spell. Now, there's so much more we can't get into, but I want to just mention no accident at the same time of the 60s sexual revolution comes another revival. It's the revival of the occult, of, of astrology, of new age, of tarot cards, of psychics. Of, today, there are more witches in America than there are Presbyterians. Well, she was the goddess of the occult, of casting spells, so it's no accident that it comes at the same time. But we now have to move to the third of the dark trinity. In the book, he is called the destroyer. This is the principality in ancient times that caused parents to offer up their own children as sacrifices on his altar. The pagan world was filled with human sacrifice, child sacrifice. It wasn't safe to be a child. When Israel turned away from God, what did they do? They started offering up their children on the altars. The only thing that ended child sacrifice throughout the pagan world was the gospel of God, was the word of Messiah Jesus. That's the only thing. But the ancient warning is if you turn away from God, these spirits are coming back. So the destroyer will come back to America. Moloch will come back to our shores. And just like clockwork, the dark trinity first, the possessor turning from God, then the enchantress, then comes the sexual revolution, and then comes the destroyer. Then comes, we start offering up our children. At the end of the 60s, we start offering up. This is, the, this is not enlightened. This is the most pagan of acts. Israel offered up thousands. Remember, the Lord said they come back worse. Israel offered up thousands of its children. We have offered up over 60 million of them in abortion. I won't go into the detail, there's so much, but you can see this, that there were actual rituals that they did when they offered up their children. And they're actually dynamics of ancient sacrifice of children that are replayed in abortion. 
I will mention just one of them or two. One, it says that, why did they do this? Why, how could they do this? Well, they were told if you do it, you're going to get blessed by the God. You're going to be blessed with prosperity and money and your finance. Why are women told to do this? They're told, well, if you have a child, it's going to hurt your finances, it's going to hurt your career. Same thing. But also, you know which children were offered up more than any other ch children back then to the God? The children of the poor. So which children are offered up now in abortion more than any other? The children of the poor. This is the sin that brought judgment and destruction on Israel. But now we're going even deeper. In the book, I reveal that the, there are ancient inscriptions from the tablets of Mesopotamia that actually reveal the mystery that is taking place in our culture right now. In one of them, the goddess, the enchantress, says, I am a woman, I am a man. One of her hymns praises her, says, You have the power, you turn a man into a woman, and a woman into a man. You want to understand what's happening right now? It all goes back to this. This is her deeper work. She doesn't show it at the beginning because it's too radical. But as she takes possession of the culture, she starts blurring the lines between man and woman, male and female, boy and girl, bends them, that confuses them. A spirit of androgyny is going to enter the culture. Well, it's here. And it happened again, just like clockwork. Didn't happen at the beginning. It's happening now because it's deeper. One of the ancient inscriptions says this. She grinds away the masculinity of men. So a spirit enters the culture that seeks to grind away men. Now, do you know what I'm saying? Is this familiar to you? A spirit, you know, this goddess raged against men. Well, there's a spirit in our culture that rages against men. And she seeks to remove men from manhood, men from fatherhood, men from hus being husbands, and seeks to emasculate them. There were, you know, some of us could remember, well, I don't remember, it's before my time, but there was a show on television called Father Knows Best. You can't even imagine a show being called that today. The same time the goddess turned women into men. So a spirit comes in the culture to defeminize women, to take, away, take them away from womanhood, take them away from marriage, take them away from motherhood. The goddess was female, but she had masculine characteristics. So she seeks to turn women into her image. By doing so, to separate men from women, women from men. Because then she's got it. Then she can destroy the family. Then she's got the culture. But her powers went deeper. The goddess had a mysterious priesthood. There were men who filled her temples, who dressed, walked around dressed up in the clothing of women. It is written, she dresses men as women, women as men. They were her priests. They were under her possession. So if you start seeing this return to the culture and being celebrated by the culture, you know what time it is. But remember, said Messiah said they come back worse. So in ancient times, she sought to possess a priesthood. But now she's seeking to possess an entire generation of your children and my children. The gods are always after the children. Because if you can get the children, you've got the future, you've got the nation. It began by taking prayer out of school. That's how it all began. Separating children from God. But look what has come in now. Look what's come into the schools of California. Look what's come into the schools of New Jersey where I am. But it goes even further. Because she didn't only adorn men as women. It says she actually turned, surgically transitioned priests from men to women. 
I even found an ancient inscription that describes the transition men dancing before the goddess with scalpels as if to celebrate their transition. And now adults are doing this to children. What on earth could possess an adult to do this to a child? Only this could. And we cannot be silent. If we are silent, that's all the darkness needs. There is one, yes, yeah, you can clap for that. We have to be strong here. There was one event that began the entire movement that has altered marriage, sexuality, gender, pride, all that. It began in New York City. We don't have time to go into it or the detail, but just to say this, on the night that this event, this riot began in New York City, that started this whole thing, all the signs of the goddess manifested on the streets of New York City. But the work of this principality has been taking over the culture. Let me give you an example. The ancient inscriptions reveal that the goddess oversaw parades in the ancient world. She made the people parade before her. So what is the sign? Every year in the summer, she made people parade. The spirit of the goddess caused men to parade through the city streets, dressed up as women, women as men, uh, parades of color, sexual licentiousness, and the bending of gender. Does that sound familiar? They're back. When you see these things, know they're back. And by the parade, she sought to possess a culture. In the ancient world, and the ancient calendar, the goddess claimed one month as her own, an entire month in which her spirit would especially possess the culture, a month of processions and rituals. What month was it? I looked at the ancient writings of the first believers. Saint Jerome actually identifies the month. He calls it in Latin. It was the month of called Iunium, or the month of Junium, or the month of June. The Lord said when they, the spirits cast out, they're going to come back to the same house that they possess. Well, she possessed June, and now she has come back. And she was actually called the goddess of pride, or a pride month. The goddess was linked to a sign. You know what it was? One sign that she was linked to? It was the sign of the rainbow. There's a mystery to the rainbow. The rainbow is spreading all over the culture, all over the world. And it makes no sense, because we've never had American embassies fly another flag like this. And even you can go to the supermarket and see it on cereal boxes, you'll see that sign. But there's an ancient sign It was linked to this goddess of altering gender. In her mythology, she, but see, see, she was known. There's a dark secret to the rainbow, I won't go into it. But what, what has to do with why it's coming back? And if people realize it, they have to think twice about using it but you know, the rainbow does not belong to this goddess or it doesn't belong to man. The rainbow belongs to God. But she was also, the, in her mythology, she was the goddess who actually stole what belonged to other gods and she steals it, so here it is in the face of God. The rainbow was about God saying, I don't want to judge you, so what happens when you put this in his face? Could the mystery even be behind the Supreme Court? The time that the goddess especially claimed was June, but around June, but also particularly the end of June, time of the summer solstice. It was a pagan time. There were three Supreme Court decisions that altered sexuality and marriage. Happened over 12 years, from 2003 to 2015, when marriage was totally transformed. I won't go into detail except to say this. Every one of them took, pl took place in June. Every one of them took place at the end of June. Every one of them took place by the summer solstice. In the days of the goddess, each of the three, well, the first one happened on June 26th. The second one, June 26th. The third one, June 26th. They all happened on the same exact day that's linked to the mystery. 
And if you remember the night when marriage, after 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years, was transformed, the biblical marriage was struck down, that night the White House was lit up in the colors of the rainbow, a sign. That night on the ancient calendar, it was the 10th of Tammuz, the 10th day of the month of Tammuz. That day that man legalized the marriage of man and man, on the ancient Babylonian calendar, that date was ordained to cast a spell to cause a man to love a man. The Supreme Court had no idea. The mystery has continued since the book, the book just came out, but the mystery has continued after it. Just a few weeks ago, the president called for a great celebration on the White House lawn. He signed into existence a bill that for the first time in American history enshrined the altering of marriage, the altering of biblical marriage into federal law. It was called the Respect for Marriage Act. It decreed all throughout America, all were to respect this that the Bible says is sin. He invited thousands of activists onto the White House lawn and to celebrate it and seal it, what happened that night, he ordered the White House for the second time to be lit up in the colors of the rainbow. Second time, it's as if the president's giving America into the hands of this spirit. Now the president, there's only one place in the Bible where God actually doesn't respect marriage. It's in the book of Ezra, when the Israelites had gone against his will in marriage, and God said, I will not respect it, it is not, it is not my marriage, it's not holy, repent of it. The only time it happened, the gathering, when, when the president put the rainbow on the White House that night, it was the 20th of Kislev. The 20th of Kislev is the day, the only day that God says, no, I cannot respect this marriage. On that day, when he said, you must respect it. God, see, man can do what he wants. The president can do what he wants, but God has the last word, always, always. What is the agenda of these spirits? What is their end game? The gods. They have, they've come back with a vengeance. You see, they were cast out of the ancient world by the word of God. That's why they're trying to cast the word of God out of America. They were encroached. They were cast out by believers. That's why they're trying to marginalize you. It's not about people. We love all people. But we war not against flesh and blood. We war against principalities. They were cast out by believers, so they're trying to marginalize, cast believers out of society. Their temples were closed down by the gospel, so they're seeking to encroach on the, on the word of God, the worship of God, and the churches of God, and the schools of God right now. When the gods first come in, they do so step by step. They, they come in in the name of tolerance and openness. That's how they got in. Is it remember the time in this from the 60s that anything goes, everything goes, be open, do your own thing. It was all tolerance. But once they get in, that's only to get in the door. Once they get in the door, once they get they get power, the gods move to cancel all opposition. So we've gone from a culture of toleration to a cancel culture. They come, remember Jezebel and Baal, they come to the day where they seek for every need to bow down and every tongue to confess and everyone celebrate and any opposition, we will cancel you. The age began with a war of the gods when the first Christians were in the Roman Empire. Well, that war is back. It's round two and we're in it now. There is, this is the mystery behind everything. And I could, I could only give you a taste of this but it's happening all around. It's affecting people in your life. But I want to get to now, what do you do? This is what I get into the last part of the book, which first, it has everything to do with you. 
because every one of us is dealing with it. Every church is dealing with it in, in one way or another. First thing, remember Gideon. God called Gideon to do great things for God, but before he could do that, he had to deal with something. There was an altar of Baal in his backyard. He had to, put, he had to break it, and then he was used by God. First thing is, if there's any stronghold in your life, any idol, anything you put above God, anything that's not of God, any sin, any habit, anything, whether pornography, anything at all, put it away once and for all. Get it out of your life. Break the altar so you can't even worship on it. Break that down. Now, let me tell you a secret. When I was working on the return of the gods, I didn't tell anybody about it, except, except Daniel. Well, I told, I, I didn't tell anybody where I was when I, and the people who are around me. I didn't tell this, uh, one of my associate pastors. And he's never, he didn't know what I was, he never come to me with anything like this. But he was woken up early in the morning. He had a trembling. He had, saw a vision, had a word. He had no idea what I was working on, but he said, I had to tell you, I knew this was for you, Jonathan. He said, he said, I saw you. You were bringing forth a word around were altars of gods. And as the word went forth, the altars of the gods began to crack open. And out of them came these spirits, and then the spirit of God came down. Now he saw that. He had no idea of the book. Now the most brazen altar of the gods we have right now is the altar of Moloch, of abortion where we have had over 60 million children sacrifice. The day I finished the return of the gods was June 24th. That was the day that the Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade and the altar cracked open. It's not the end of the fight, it's the beginning, but you know, and I don't care what the world says, I don't care what the media says, the point is life. We, if we don't know, if we don't know that it is wrong to kill children, then there's something wrong with our culture. And do not be ashamed of the gospel and do not be ashamed of the truth. Be strong. When God brought revival in the ancient times in the Bible, the sign wasn't a, a, a Pentecostal you know, tent service, and that's great, a crusade. It was, the, it was the breaking of the altars of the God. That's what they did. They broke the altars down. Josiah broke the altars. So this is a sign that there can be revival from the hand of God himself. For the first time in the history of America, the most brazen altar of the gods has been cracked open. That is a sign of encouragement to you who know the Lord and love the Lord. Number one, that with God, nothing is impossible. Number two, he does hear your prayers. Keep praying, don't give up. And number three, that he's calling us to take new courage and new strength. There can be revival. But it will depend on something because God said, if, if, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their evil ways, I'll hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Big promise, but a big if. The key words are if and my people. We have to make the most of this time because without revival, America is finished. We have to pray for revival as never before. Not just pray for revival, we actually have to start living in revival. Because if you start, if you choose revival, the revival starts in your life. The Bible says in the last days there will be seducing spirits in the world. Immorality will increase. The, the, the people will be unnatural with love and, and they will persecute the righteous. But it also says in the last days, God says, in that day, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. 
You see, if the dark is getting darker, it's time for the lights of God to shine even brighter than before. You see, these are the days when the grays are disappearing. And the dark, if the dark is removing the grays to become totally dark, it's time for we, you, me, all of us, the light, to remove the gray from our life to become totally light, totally bright. See, the days of great evil are the days that manifest great good. When the evil goes from bad to worse, it's time for the good, us, to go from good to great. These are the days that produce greatness. These, you know, these are the days that produce Elijah's and Paul's and, and Esther's. It's do not fear the end times. If God didn't want you here he, in the end times, he put you in the Middle Ages. He put you here. If God called you here, then you are chosen to be here. And you are chosen for the hour. You're appointed for the hour. You will be anointed for the hour. And God will honor when you stand for him. I've said this. I remind you, you know, some of you have prayed. Oh, Lord, I wish I could live in biblical times. Congratulations. You're here. You made it. These are biblical times. And these are the most exciting of times. See, the darkness is only going to bring out the light. You know, what's the most exciting part of a movie? The last 15 minutes. God chose you for the last 15 minutes. That's a big, that's a big thing. This is round two. See, if the world is going back to where it was at the beginning of the age, anti-Christian, then it's time for the church, us, to go back to where we were at the beginning, which is the book of Acts. You see, you've got something more powerful than all the gods and spirits of the world. You've got the power of the almighty living God and the spirit of the living God upon you. If you'll live by the spirit, you, you'll live by the spirit, walk by the spirit, repent by the spirit, stand by the spirit, you will overcome the world by the spirit. See, the darkness came in only because the spirit was, the, the culture was emptying. But you have the spirit of God and we need to pray for that spirit. Remember something, you don't serve the gods, you don't serve an idol, you don't serve political correctness, you don't serve California or New Jersey, you, don't serve, you serve the living God who, who was, who is, and who is yet to come. There's no one like our God. There's no comparison. You know, when Moses made it, he went through the Red Sea, he wrote a song, he said, Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? There's nobody. There is no comparison. And the name of Yeshua, Jesus, that is the name that casts the spirits out of an entire civilization. And you've got that same name. And that name is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Just as powerful, just as mighty. There is no comparison to Yeshua, no comparison to Jesus. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, he's still an issue. Here he is 2,000 years later, still the same. You know, one day CNN's going to be gone. MSNBC is going to be gone. They're all going to be gone. But the name of Jesus, the power of Jesus, is going to be here forever and ever and ever. Your God is so much stronger to give you victory over every darkness. But you cannot be intimidated. You must stand and rise in the name of God. When the culture tells you to shut up, you got to speak even louder. You got one shot. You know, we're here one time. Make it count. Go out, let the chips fall where they may. You and your house, you got to say, we will stand with God. Come what may. It is an honor, you know, when it means something. You know, when everybody said they're Christian, you know, it doesn't mean much. But now it means everything. If these are the days of Baal and Ashtoreth and Molech, the, these must certainly be the days of Elijah. 
If the gods have returned, it's time for the Elijahs of God to return. Time for you to be his Elijah, for me to be his Elijah. It is not time to fear, not time to compromise, not time to shrink back, not time to mix the truth with what is not truth. It is time to take your stand in boldness and courage and confidence and power. You see, they, you know, they, you're not, we're not the first ones to deal with it. Moses dealt with the gods of Egypt. Elijah dealt with the gods of Canaan. Paul dealt with the gods of Rome. Now it's our turn. Now it's your turn. And it is time as well to take your stand against that thing, that idol, that God in your life, that spirit that's tried to intimidate you, harass you, hinder you, discourage you, compromise you, defile you, tempt you, make you fall, make you bow down. It's time to take your stand against that darkness. Time to take your stand against that habit, against that sin, against that temptation, against that gloom, against that fear, against that dirt, and say, no more. I will not bow down my my knee to you again. I will not bow down to fear. I will not bow down to that temptation. I will only bow down my knee to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And as for you, you have no authority in my house. For in the name of Messiah, in the name of God, I say, get out. Get out of my land. Get out of my house. Get out of my life. Get out of my circumstance. Get your hell out of my life. For greater is he who is in me than you who are in the world. And in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, the light of the world, the King of all kings, and the God above all gods. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'll see you outside. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. We just praise you. Wait, I didn't plan this. Why don't you just let everybody stand. Father, we just praise you, Father, and we pray for revival. Father, we pray for revival in this land. Whatever it takes, let there be revival, Father. Lord, help us each. We choose revival in our lives. We choose to stand for you. Lord, we ask, Father, let there be revival from one coast to the other. Let there be revival in our capital. Let there be revival among the youth, among the children. Let there be revival in California. Father, let there be revival. And Lord, we say yes to revival in our own lives. We say yes and we praise you who are the God above all gods. You are our God. You are my God and we praise you in the holy name above every name that is named. The name of Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah, Or HaOlam, the light of the world, Ukvod Yisrael, the glory of Israel, and the lion of the tribe of Judah. Amen and amen. I'll see you outside. Let's give Jonathan another round of applause. That was amazing. Wow. Wow. And uh, I want to thank you all for coming out on a school night, a work night. I want to encourage you to pick up his book. And I also want to invite you to come back next Tuesday. We're going to spend three nights in prayer. Carol Ward is going to be with us from 6 to 9, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. We're going to get on our knees. We're going to break down some altars. We're going to bring down heaven. We're going to bring revival to our city. Amen. So that's next week. And uh, before we go, I think it would be great if we could just end with the blessing. Does that sound good? The Lord bless thee. And keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee. The Lord bless thee.
Jonathan, sign in. I'm in the foyer.